Welcome to the Checkmates Go podcast. Join your favorite Checkpoint expert, Phone Boy, and his guests as they cover a range of cybersecurity topics to help you secure your everything. Be sure to subscribe and share, and don't forget to rate and review us. And now, here's Phone Boy. And welcome to Season 3, Episode 9. You may have heard of the MITRE ATT&CK framework, and it's a globally accessible knowledge base of adversary tactics and techniques based on real-world observations. The ATT&CK knowledge basis uses a foundation for development of specific threat models and methodologies in the private sector, in the government, and in the security product and service community. And it's a way to, standardized way, to really talk about what security products can do. It talks about what a security incident did, right? It's it, it provides a very standard framework for having a discussion about that. And it turns out you can actually evaluate security products and see if they're able to detect or, or hopefully prevent these kinds of attacks. MITRE just finished their Enterprise Evaluation 2020 and published it for everybody to see. And Checkpoint was evaluated as part of that. And we did very well. And we had a big announcement about it. And in fact, uh, I got to talk with the product manager, Yoni Nave, about that announcement right before he went on another webinar to talk about the same thing. I started off by asking Yoni, well, what did we announce and what, you know, what actually happens and what does it mean? What we just announced a few days ago was the results that we got, an amazing set of results for the latest matter evaluation, which is based on Carbonac and Fin7. The Carbonac and Fin7 evaluation is the most comprehensive evaluation so far done by matter. This is their third round by now, third year that they're doing the evaluation. And Carbonac and Fin7 are thread groups that are targeting financial assets. This includes financial sectors and financial related sectors such as um, hospitality and retail. As part of this evaluation, there were 20 steps, 174 sub-steps, and 29 vendors. This is an amazing number. 29 vendors actually participated in this evaluation. And what we did as part of the uh, how many endpoint solution we have is we actually did pretty good. Uh, the results that we got are amazing. They're, um, they are considered to be top tier in the uh, EDR market right now. And it's a lot to explain because it's a lot of different metrics. It's better to first understand what metrics there are as part of the evaluation and how do different vendors relate differently to the results. The, um, the bottom line of this is because MITRE doesn't have a winner. It doesn't have a concrete number one, number two, number three vendor. It, ju- it uh, practically just uh, publishes a report for each vendor. And you can derive from that report whatever you want. This report is very, very elaborated and has details for each and every sub-step that was evaluated as part of the uh, Carbonac and Fin7 attack, including uh, full details on the uh, event, the context that was given as part of the event, and screenshots as evidence to this context. And on top of this report... A few metrics were published by MITRE, and a lot more metrics are published by each and every vendor. So maybe take a step back and let's talk about what the MITRE ATT&CK framework is, 
for people that don't know, then based on that, I would say, you know, talk about where did Checkpoint shine maybe compared to the competitors? Because yes, I understand that yeah, there's a lot of different things in the MITRE ATT&CK framework, but when we talk about it as Checkpoint, you know, what do we, what do we highlight and what, what's, you know, what's important in, in the MITRE ATT&CK framework? The reason why the MITRE ATT&CK framework is so critical for uh, endpoint solutions, and it's basically not just endpoint solutions, but to, for the entire security industry, is it's because the framework is giving a very comprehensive, detailed information on the different techniques that are being used by adversaries. This is mapping of all the techniques that are being used throughout the life cycle of real-life attacks, and it is being updated on a regular basis by uh, by the MITRE Foundation, and this has become the de facto standard by endpoint products and specifically uh, EDR products to uh, um, reference and give more context for events that are happening on the endpoint to try to explain to the analyst bottom line what happened what is the risk, and is there an attack going on, and if there is, what needs to be done in order to remediate it? The MITRE ATT&CK framework, it, I mean, it articulates in detail what are the different ways that systems can be compromised and how you can move from the initial entry all the way through the, you know, the, the life cycle of an attack. There, there's different categories, and you know, I'm looking at it right now. Actually, we'll provide a link in the show notes to uh, our evaluation and uh, for for the MITRE ATT&CK framework. But you can see the different ways that the, yeah. So there's the initial access vectors, there's execution, there's persistence, there's privilege escalation, and so on. And you can see, uh, and there's many different ways that can happen, right? And it, and it it rationalizes, I guess, what can happen in an attack of of sorts, and how how you go from place to place to place, and and talks about it in standard terms so that there might be different techniques that employ the same kind of mechanism or the the same kind of process but we can and we can standardize all of that even though it might be campaign x versus campaign y that does it it's we can we can talk about it in standard terms and we can also talk about the protections in standard terms and say okay we we provide protection against this kind of attack vector but maybe not this attack vector the MITRE attack framework and, the, and these evaluations go into great, great detail and say, here's how each vendor did in each one of these areas. And so if you're looking for, a, if, if you as, a, as an organization have a specific risk or there's something that you're very concerned about, you can actually look and say, okay, these things ma- matter to me more than something else. And I'm able to then pick up, I can, you know, so if you're, if you're looking at solutions, you can say, does this product actually protect against the specter? So for, when you're making your own evaluation, you can actually make a very informed choice and say, yeah, I get, I'm very concerned about this vector. It's actually a huge risk in my particular organization. So I need something that actually protects against this because, because not every threat vector is important to every customer. Right. Um, and you may not know, and that's, this is the other thing too. I think this is a great educational tool for 
for, for organizations to know, here's how things actually happen. And, and then, and then you can, again, you can look at through all of these things and say, yeah, we, because we know like from talking to incident response and everybody that there are certain things that are very common and there are things that are probably less common now there may, but, but again, it depends on your environment as to which one's important. So when you're evaluating solutions, you can actually be very prescriptive and say, these are the things I'm concerned about. And will my, you know, will my solutions catch it? Exactly, exactly. And, and, and the point of those techniques is actually to give you the visibility to understand what exactly happened through the life cycle of the attack. The, the thing is that in real life, you don't really know what happened, right? Uh, most of the time, you're looking at in the gray area. Because if something is purely malicious, everybody knows that it's malicious, everything in VirusTotal says that this payload is malicious, not a problem, right? It's being blocked and that's it. On the other hand, if something is benign or unknown, then it's benign, or, then it's benign and, and, and you're done, right? You know what applications you have in your organization, so you don't have to worry about that. What you do have to worry about is about everything which is in the middle. Suspicious behavior that's being caught from here and there. Uh, abnormal activity of a specific application. Something that uh, that used to run in a certain manner and now it runs in a different manner and you don't exactly know if it's an acceptable behavior or a suspicious behavior because, for example, uh, there, there is some Trojan as part of the process, or there's a, a rogue DLL that was loaded that should have been, should, that shouldn't have been loaded, or just uh, uh, some zero-day uh, payload. And this is exactly the point of though of of this framework to give you the uh, the context to everything that happens, so you'll be able to build on top of that your own set of knowledge and best practices. So you'll be able to uh, understand when you do get those incidents from our, our protection, from the different protection engines, you'll be able to understand uh, what really happened and to incriminate, to get to a bottom line decision, is it a real attack or not? I'd even take it a step further. And so, you know, okay, so let's let's say that we, you know, we, we stop somebody from um, a privilege escalation. Well, they had to, in order to be able to, get into a situation where they did privilege escalation, you know, we, they had to be able to execute some code, right? They had to be able to, you know, pr get some sort of an access, right? So you can kind of, you can also use this as a way to assess, okay, so we blocked it at this point in the attack, in the attack chain, what could they have done prior to that? Right. And that's, and so what was exposed again, it provides context so that, you know, okay, even, even if we block it at this point, what could have potentially happened and what else is at risk? And so what other mitigations do we need to, you know, do we need to, uh, you know, tighten up our initial access vectors and, um, you know, or, or maybe lock down pro execution of, you know, processes on the, on the system. It gives you a way to say, okay, what do I need to do to in increase my defenses so that this doesn't happen again? Or if they do do something that what they're able to do is so limited that the, the you know, so that maybe they, maybe they do get in, but they can't really do anything. So who cares? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it really, it really ties back to the uh, different detection categories that uh, the minor evaluation is actually testing. And they're looking at it from the perspective of, what context did you give to each and every event? And what is the level of the context that you gave for uh, each and every event? Uh, a simple example is, let's say you have a PowerShell which executes something. You don't know what, it, what, what was the command line. You just know that the PowerShell executed. Is it bad? 
Not necessarily, right? There's a lot of PowerShell that's being executed as part of a normal IT operation. So you can't say that by definition of PowerShell execution is something bad. But that's the telemetry part. That's just the raw event by itself. Now, if you have enough telemetry, if you have enough information, that you then you know that that PowerShell, for example, uh, loaded also a BitBuild API. Now, most of the people don't know what BitBuild API is. So the only thing they do know is that there was a loading of that API, and that's it. Is it bad, not bad? We don't know uh, uh, enough about it. But if as part of your system, you already get the context to know that BitBuild-T is actually the, an API that's being used to get a screen capture, then now you suddenly know a lot more about that PowerShell instance. You know that that PowerShell instance actually triggered a screen capture operation on your system. And now it's becoming a suspicious activity. So that's the whole point of giving the proper context to each and every event that is taking place in, in, in on your asset. As part of the MITRE attack evaluation, it's not only did you block this attack, right? But it's also what context do you provide that you blocked the attack? And is there, or is there more to it than that? It's not just about blocking the attack. It's also about getting the entire context of, of exactly what happened. I can think about the example of, of what we just discussed again, uh, just to, to, to give that context as an example. Again, that PowerShell with that BitBuild API. Most of the time you won't know what that API really means and what it really did. But the minute you know that that BitBuild API is actually the way to get a screen capture through PowerShell, now it's uh, creating the proper context in order to understand what exactly happened through that alert and what exactly happened to that specific, in that specific attack. And that gives you a lot more context to what uh, uh, should be mitigated and uh, what potentially already uh, uh, leaked out of the organization. It's not just enough to say you blocked this, right? Because that's because anybody can say that. It's a question of okay, here's here's proof that I blocked it, and here's the you know here's what led to it. Sort of demystifying the black boxes of a, of a security solution, as it were, because that's um, people tend to look at security controls as this black box of okay, either allow it or don't, but don't really give a lot of details. And so this is this is a way of contextualizing what happened and, and also proving, yeah, we we stopped this and here's what they tried to do and and here's how we stopped it. Yeah, definitely. And and, and this all ties to the uh uh well it's not a new concept, but the concept of uh EDR. The the, the EDR concept says that not a, that 100% blocking is impossible. You cannot prevent 100% of the attacks. So the only way to, to actually understand what's happening to those attacks that are not being blocked is to visualize them in a way that an analyst will be able to understand exactly what happened. And in order to visualize it, you need the data, you need the context. And this is a, and this is where Mitre steps in. It uh, actually organized the entire EDR market to say, okay, it's not enough to give uh, just a process tree. It's not enough to say, uh, okay, I know of a specific operation. If you really want the analyst to understand what happened as part of the entire life cycle of the process, 
this is what you need to be this is what you need to show this is the entire framework that relates to the entire kill chain of uh, real life attacks so this is actually an enhancement to all the EDR products and indeed most EDR products are already aligned with this, uh, uh, with this framework, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, we are aligned as well as part of Harmony Endpoint. And that's, and again, it's uh, gives a it gives a way of explaining what happened in a, in a standard way that is maybe not uh, using vendor specific jargon, using it, but it, it provides it. And does it now? Does does MITRE ATT&CK prescribe a standard way to 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 show that information, or is it um, is it more about the language? So they don't really care how you show it as long as you show it. They realize that uh, some techniques uh, and some vendors have uh, various ways for uh, uh, visualizing information, various different uh, UX uh, methodologies. They, they don't go into that section of how to show. Uh, they just want to make sure that the information will be presented. They actually don't really care even about the numbering that they gave. They're just saying that it allowed that it, uh, from their perspective, even from the evaluation perspective, they don't care if you're saying that a specific technique was uh, T1018 or 1017. They want that the analyst will be able to understand that bottom line, you're talking about query registry. So, uh, and, and, and this is where the, what they're aiming for, the bottom line of giving the proper context and as much context as possible to the analyst. Yeah, and I know we look at this as, uh, you know, as a company, we're, you know, we're also comparing ourselves to what other vendors are doing and, and, uh, you know, making sure that we're providing the best security possible. And it's that that's, that's part of our DNA as a company. What do the results say to us as a company? And then what do we, and, and then, you know, how, and how does that translate to, to customers? This is the evaluation by itself is testing a specific flow of events that were uh, uh, executed by the MITRE team. And each and every vendor need to showcase these, his uh, visibility and the context that he's giving to each and every sub-step in, uh, 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 in the attack flow. What's happening throughout the attack flow is that uh, a few techniques are being tested. Uh, in this evaluation, there were 46 techniques that were uh, that were tested, and the results are actually showing uh, what kind of visibility and how much and what type of context each vendor gave to each step in the attack. Assuming that when you get the bottom line of summarizing all those data points, you get a full view of exactly what happened uh, through the entire chain of events uh, of the evaluation. When we look at it from the, from the point of view of, of, of what we achieved as, uh, as Checkpoint, we are seeing very, very clearly that we're right in the top. And it's really, really easy to see. All you need to do is just to log in to the MITRE website. It's a free uh, website for everybody, and it's really easy to understand. You just go into the evaluation, and you start looking at the, the numbers. Uh, some metrics were already published by MITRE. Um, there are a few metrics that are mostly based on the number of uh, sub-steps. For example, there's one metric that's, that's looking at telemetry. Telemetry means, again, uh, visibility to the raw event itself. 
So one of the metrics that uh, might have published was, let's see how many, for how many sub-steps out of the 174 that were tested, for how many sub-steps you had telemetry. And then you can compare between different vendors. And there, by the way, we're number three. So we really are uh, uh, um, uh, at the top tier of the uh, of the leading EDR vendors out there. If you look at it from the from a different perspective, there's another metric which refers to analytic. Analytic means context. This is extremely important because telemetry, okay, that that has a lot of value. But if you're giving the context, it gives a lot more value. And the higher level of context, the better you get. It's much more important to know that that PowerShell with that BitBLT API uh, was malicious, but it's much more important to understand that the reason why it's considered malicious is because there was a screen capture. That's the difference between a general alert or even a tactic alert to a technique level alert. This is the highest detection category that uh, um, the MITRE evaluation um, specifies. And when you look at it from that perspective, then out of the 46 techniques, we actually had the highest level of technique level detection for 44 out of those 46. Now, this is an amazing number. This is the highest number of techniques out of all the other 21, 29 vendors. So this is extremely important. This means that this is our uh, show, us showcasing the fact that we have the highest level of context for the vast majority of the techniques that were tested as part of the evaluation. Now, when you look at the different results and you compare the uh, the vendors, you can compare it per sub-step or you compare it per technique. So it's really a matter of which metric you're looking at. And this where it really becomes uh, um, complicated because there are four metrics that um, might have published, four different metrics. And for each one, there's a different uh, number one vendor. There are also a lot of different metrics that were used. Some of them are considered a little bit more and some of them are considered a little bit less. Uh, there are uh, also uh, um, some other vendors that, for example, just uh, said, um, okay, we're not looking at detection at all, we're looking at the, at the uh, protection. So you can derive from that uh, what were their real, real results in the context of detection, of course. Third-party tests are useful for vendors and customers alike, and I get into that with Yoni in the next episode of Checkmates Go. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Checkmates Go. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app, leave us a rating and review, and share with your colleagues on social media. And we'll see you next time.